Well, 12 years as a youth pastor, I would every single year use this analogy that I would share with my students that I want to share with you because it actually applies to our understanding of relationships and family today. And I want you to start off by thinking what is the difference between a puddle, a flood, and a river? What is the difference between a puddle, a flood, and a river? And every time I'd ask the students to describe, okay, describe for me a puddle. Shallow, stagnant, goes away quickly, maybe a little dirty in there, sometimes smelly if it's been sitting there for a while. Like, okay, now describe for me a flood. And say wild, destructive, right, destroys things. Okay, all right, now describe for me a river. And say, well, brings life, brings fun, right, there's boats, there's, takes supplies, and they'd start describing those things, and I would say, awesome, okay. Now, if someone had to describe you in the way they describe those, how would you be described? Say, what if someone described you as shallow and stagnant? (laughs) Good. What if someone described you as destructive? Okay. And you don't want that. And so everyone would agree, okay, well, we want to be described as a river. So the next thing then is, okay, what separates or differentiates a puddle, a flood, and a river? I believe there's three things that separate those that for us today in our discussion also shares the three needs of every single child. First thing that distinguishes a river from a flood or a puddle is that it has a source. It has a source. Constant flowing source. And as a child, you need that source of encouragement and faith to keep you moving forward. That's why puddles cease to exist after the sun comes out. Because there is no movement. There's no source. There's no, there's no things going there. Now, floods have a source, but they don't have the second thing, and that is boundaries. A river is a river because it has boundaries. And if you go past those boundaries, it leads to destruction. And when you see stories on the news of massive flooding, no one's excited about it. It's not, it doesn't produce things. Right? It's not like, oh, there was massive flooding today, and now there's a new city. Like, no, it destroys things in its path. And if you live a life with no boundaries, you will destroy everything that's in the path. Some of you have been on the receiving end of that, of someone who lived a flood-like life with no boundaries that leaves destruction in its wake. It comes in quickly, it leaves quickly. It's not healthy. Okay. So then the third component that a child needs, it needs a source, it needs boundaries. But also, children need direction. Need direction. When you have all three, when you have a source, when you have simple boundaries and you have direction, that creates movement and that creates life. Sometimes we try to fake movement, right? If you take a stick and you swirl it around in a puddle, there's movement briefly that does not sustain, 
There's movement and flooding, but it's in all directions. <laughs> There's no purpose there, where if you have a river, you're going in one direction. And so you think of the needs of a child, and if you're not a parent, in reality, think about it, you need it for yourself, don't you? What's your source? What's the source of your strength? Do you have simple boundaries in place? And then do you have a direction that you're going in life? You can do that, those three things, it'll lead to life. Now, there are different stages in parenting. I didn't come up with this chart on my own, but we share it with you because I find it helpful. And so in the, the zero to five-year-old range, so much of the focus of, a, of raising a child is on discipline. No, 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 and you, no, and you just find yourself creative ways to say the word no, right? And so you go through and it requires discipline. Then ages five through 12, it becomes really a stage of training. You're learning how to do things. You're learning how to read. You're learning how to tie your shoes. You're learning what's appropriate behavior and not your, your beginning school. Maybe even preschool and you're being cared for, but you're actually taking actions and learning practical steps. You're learning, maybe it's your first exposure to sports. Maybe it is taking music or doing things. And you start to train how to live, how to function as a little human being, right? Then in the teenage years, it becomes a stage of coaching. How do you navigate this life? How do you respond when friends don't treat you well? How do you treat friends well? How do you respond when relationships? How do you respond with pressures of school and work and social media? And now you're really coaching them, right? And if you do the first three stages well, then hopefully that final stage of 18 and beyond becomes a stage of friendship. Now, these are important because if we don't, if we don't do them in order, you're going to find yourself sometimes trying to do them at a later point, and it becomes much harder. If you're trying to discipline somebody who's over 18 years old, that's a tough scenario, right? And so being able to understand what stage you're in is able to help realize, okay, what can we work through? And so being a youth pastor for 12 years in there and now having my own teenager, right, you're like, ah, what's going to happen? Oh, like, you're like, man, what happened to my little child, right, in those years? And all the, the drama and the smells and the things that come from middle school, high school, and you go into it. But you realize, wait a second, I'm actually coaching now, right? I'm training, I'm coaching, I'm helping them navigate life because you're not going to be with them for every step of the way. So how can they navigate that life? And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's what we're going to break down today, is that parenting at all levels involves attention, intention, and mission. Involves attention, intention, and mission. And I, I use those three words on purpose because really the question we're asking ourselves today is where's your aim in parenting? And so that spells our three components here of attention, intention, and mission. And so where is your aim as parenting? What is your goal for parenting? Do you have a goal for parenting? Because parenting is not passive. Right? Parenting is not passive. You can't just go through life and we'll see what happens. It doesn't work like that. And so the first thing here, when we think about attention, what your children see and what you say shapes their world. 
If you play video games and you have the first person perspective, understand that for your child, that is the only view that they have of life. Their view of life, of your family, is assumed as normal. Many of you as adults now have had to process that. There comes a point in age where you start to objectively understand the world outside of yourself. And some of you, maybe you've come from unhealthy situations, and it wasn't until you were older and you realized, oh, that wasn't normal. <laughs> and so much of what we battle, good and bad, as adults, stem from our experiences as children. And so we have to pay attention. What is it that our kids are seeing? What is it that our kids are hearing? What is it that we are saying? Because one lesson on a Sunday, you know, that's one hour out of 168. We have to realize what are they getting the other 167? And so paying attention to this. Another crazy stat that I heard was that from the time a child is born to the time the child leaves the house is about roughly a thousand weeks. A thousand weeks. So if you picture a jar of marbles and that every week, good or bad, whether you use it well or not, a marble's coming out of that jar. Okay? And, and for those that are approaching graduation right now, you're looking at that jar going, oh my goodness, <laughs> we're almost out. And so we have to pay attention. And then we have to be intentional, right? What are we choosing to do? What are the choices we make? There are circumstances and things that we can't control, right? You can't control if somebody betrayed you. You can't control a health battle or maybe a financial thing if, if something happened to you. But you can control how you respond, right? And, and if, you're, if you're walking through life as a single parent or as a blended family or things, you're going to have different challenges than others. But you still have the opportunity to invest into the life of your child that then will echo into eternity. If you came from an unhealthy situation, you can change the direction for generations to come and to offer a legacy not of overwhelmed, but overcoming. And you can invest and change the lives of the kids around you. The last part there is that parenting involves mission. It involves mission. It says this in Psalm, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this in Psalm 127.3. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. When your kids eventually move out of the house, you are not losing your children. You're launching your children. The power of an arrow really is when you release it. And so our goal as parents is not to just hold on and keep them sheltered as long as possible. Yes, we want to do protect them from the world, but at some point you're launching them into the world. And so whatever stage of life you're in right now, you have to understand that you are pulling back the bow. And that there is purpose and mission into what you're doing. And so where are you aiming? Are you just shooting that bow <laughs> straight up in the air? Or do you have a target that you want godly men and women, 
that are happy and, and pursuing their dreams and going after that and making healthy choices. Now, I've also encountered over many years people who are, have challenging kiddos. Remember that God is God. He is perfect, right? And at one point, the only two human beings that he created rebelled against him. And so if you have a rebellious child, understand you're in good company. God did too. Okay? You're not going to out-parent God. And so sometimes, because of sin and because of free will, you know, kids rebel. And that's difficult and that's challenging, but that's also not a hopeless situation. And so you can choose, you can pray, you can serve, you can lead, you can model. You can try to offer as much as you can those three things of a source, boundaries, and direction. And I've seen many times over where kids who were just nightmares in their teens end up becoming some of the strongest leaders in the church. <laughs> and they come back. Okay. And so some might be sitting here, okay, John, that's cool. You know, what's my aim? I don't know. I'm just trying to survive the day. Right? I'm just trying to get kids to school on time. I'm just trying to go through what it, I, I, how am I supposed to have long-term view when I don't, I, I'm just trying to figure out dinner tonight, you know? Well, let me just offer a practical passage. This is one that I personally use in my own spiritual life, but also in parenting. As we realize that we have an aim, we have a responsibility as we're trying to launch our kids into the world to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And we look at attention, intention, and mission. Here's this, a real practical passage that I love for my own personal walk. It's a, it's, so if you don't have kiddos, you can use this personally. But if you have kiddos, it's a great starting point. Okay? It's found in Colossians chapter 2. Let me read this for you. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There are four phrases that we're going to come back to that gives us our goals, but I want to tell you why these are important, because it's found in verse 8. Why is it important that we parent our children? Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Understand this, that your child is being discipled. But they could be discipled by the world, by their friend group, or by their family. Right? So what, what is the largest, most important voice in their lives? And how can we do that? And so we don't want to be taken captive by the teachings of this world. Instead, we want to intentionally invest and raise our kids in Christ together with the principles of Scripture so that they can be happy, healthy, and make a difference in this world. And so what are those principles? Well, they come directly out of this passage. Four parenting goals. This is where we can aim for our kids to be. It's not, it's not perfection. Let me just clarify this. I promise you, this will not be perfect, and you're going to have so many messy days, and you're going to have so many days where you feel like you're failing as a parent. You're going to have other days where you feel like your kids are failing as kids. <laughs> like, come on, I've told you that how many times, right? Like, are we seriously here? You're going to find the struggles if you're not already. 
Okay, but these are things to come back to. This is a target to aim for. Okay, first thing here is we want to aim for our kids to be grounded. We want to aim for our kids to be grounded. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted in Christ. There is a strength, a firm foundation that comes from being anchored into the word and the truth of God. There was a huge windstorm about a month or so ago, if you remember that. Maybe your trees got hit with that or, or things went crazy. Remember here, like it was blowing like 30, 40 miles an hour. Well, in our backyard, we have um, a table that's off to the side, kind of like the tables we have out front here. And because we move it around, uh, I didn't put a base in the umbrella. And so that wind just caught that umbrella stand and it just went flying uh, over our yard and onto the street and hit a small dog. Okay, I just made up that last part. But, but you got worried, didn't you? You got worried? It could have, so it did not. So thankfully, no, no animals were harmed in the flying of my umbrella. Um, but the reason the umbrella took off is because there was nothing anchoring it to the ground. And here's my fear, that if we don't anchor our kiddos into the truth of the word of God, we're gonna send them out into the world, into college, into jobs, and just say, okay, good luck. I mean, if they're not anchored, right, I can, I can promise you this, the winds and storms are coming, right? But the good news is, as it says in Hebrews 6, that we have an anchor for our soul. And so if you want your child to hang tight, to stand strong amidst the storms and tribulations that are, they're going to face in college or in the workplace or out in society and beyond, give them an anchor of love and an identity as a son or daughter of God, and that they are defined by the God who made them, not what the friends or non-friends of college and other people say about them, right? So a good goal for kiddos is to give, get them grounded, give them roots. Because if your roots go deep, your life can grow strong. So that's the second thing, is that we want to aim for our kids to be growing. We want to be growing. We talked about this earlier in the series, about having a fixed mindset or a growing mindset. You know, when you are saved, you are fully, the churchy term is you are justified, you are declared right, you are forgiven in the sight of the eyes of the Lord. But you're not just praying a prayer to receive Christ and then, and then just doing whatever you want, but rather that's when your journey begins. And so now you are becoming more like Jesus every day. And that process, the churchy word for that is called sanctification. So justification is to be declared right. Sanctification is to be made right. And even now as parents, we are not perfect. We are still growing. And so we are rooted in Christ, but then we are being built up in him. So things like the fruit of the spirit, spiritual formation and disciplines, that even when we make mistakes and we will make mistakes, we are growing. And a simple mind shift, okay, is don't think of it, this comes from Craig Rochelle, don't think of it as that you're simply trying. You're not trying, you're training. When you train for something, it's expected that you will fail. But failure is part of the process, right? Because you're getting better. 
your training. And so as a follower of Jesus, you're not simply trying, you're training. As parents, you're not simply trying to be a parent, you're training as a parent. You're growing. And as you grow, your kids can grow. You know, kids throw fits. They do. And our kids are about four years apart, and so we've been dealing with tantrums our whole, like, many years. I am no longer surprised by a tantrum. Just, oh, is that all you got? <laughs> Sometimes, right? Now, if your child is still throwing tantrums at 25, right, that's not cute, right? I don't want a sucker. I want two suckers. Oh, like, that's like, okay, it's expected from a little child. If you're in your 20s and that's you, right, like, like, okay, you got, it's time to grow, right? That's a goal, okay? We want our kids to be grounded. We want our kids to be growing, rooted and built up in Christ. The third goal, third aim in our parenting, in our relationships, and even for ourselves, is that we want to be graceful. This is that built off that phrase that we are established in faith. Established in faith. The more you learn about Scripture, the more you learn about Jesus, the more you realize that he was full of grace and truth. That when you become more like Jesus, you don't become more judgmental. You become more graceful. You offer grace to yourself as well as others. And you become more loving. No one wants to, no one sit there and says, man, I really hope that when my child grows up, he's bitter, spiteful, angry. Those aren't the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so it's, it's good to think through, like, how can I teach grace to my child? Every single day when I drop my kids off at school, I always say the same two things to my kids. And I have a few phrases I use throughout parenting. And again, I'm by no means perfect. I think I have many shortcomings, but we try to establish these principles. And so every day when I drop them off at school, I say, all right, guys, daddy loves you. Be awesome, be kind. Every day. I say, be awesome. Do the best you can in everything you can. And then be kind. Right? It's amazing how far you can get in life and trying your best and not being a jerk. <laughs> Right? Be awesome, be kind. Are we becoming more graceful? And that means, are we extending grace to our kids and to ourselves? It's a good thing to aim for. Last thing here is that abounding in thanksgiving means that we should aim for our kids to be grateful. Aim for our kids to be grateful. It's amazing how far gratitude will take you in life. At the same time, without it, you will never be happy. If you are not grateful, you will never have enough. You will never be enough. What's interesting about that passage there where it says abounding in thanksgiving, do you know that word abounding is the same word used to describe the leftovers from when Jesus fed the 5,000. It said that they were, uh, they, they fed the 5,000 people. If you're not familiar with the story, Jesus took a Lunchable from a little boy, some fish and some bread, fed almost 20,000 people, 5,000 men, and then women and children as well. And then on top of that, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. 
A few chapters later, he actually feeds 4,000 men and, then, and more women and children there. And then there's seven baskets of leftovers. In both cases, in Matthew, the word to describe the leftovers was abounding. Same used to describe here that we are abounding in thanksgiving. Do you have enough gratitude in your heart that it spills over and leftovers to everybody else? Think through this, that if your child as an adult is grounded, is growing, is graceful, and is grateful, I think you're off to a good start, right? A couple quotes here as we're wrapping up. A guy named Edward, Duke of Windsor, says this, you know, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. don't like that quote because there's a lot of truth in it, <laughs> right? Next one here, Matt Chandler, he describes family discipleship this way. He says, family discipleship is leading your home by whatever you can, whenever you can, to help your family become friends and followers of Jesus. I love that. Doing whatever you can, whenever you can, to help them become friends and followers of Jesus. The last quote here is that, a child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. You might be walking through something hard right now. I want you to praise Jesus that it's hard in your home. Let me tell you, it's going to be scarier out there. And I know it's difficult. I know there's challenges. For those that are blended families, again, single parents, those who came from difficult situations, even you got two parents in the home and you both are believers, it's hard. So whatever situation in, I want you to know that God is there, that God is with you, that parenting involves attention. What do we see? What do we say? Intention. What are our choices that we make? Are we parenting on purpose? And then there's with mission. You can make a difference. God can make a difference in you and through you. That your child, like an arrow, can be launched into this world to make a difference. They can be grounded in Him, growing in their faith, graceful to those around them, and grateful for the world that God has given them. I do want to again remind you, we, I know that parenting goes well beyond just one conversation. That's why there's a QR code down there. It's also on missiongrowth.info. We have this resource for you. Take it, use it. It's, just, it's helping to start a conversation today of five foundations of a family. And we want you to know that we are here for you, that we love you, that God loves you, that the way God described his church is a family. And that you, as a child of God, can help raise other children of God. And that together, we can make a difference for eternity, one life at a time. God's for you. Let's be for our kiddos. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for those who are in the battle. God, I pray that we can just commit our families and our kids to you. You are our source. 
You give us our boundaries. You give us direction. May our families and our kids be like rivers of life, impacting the world for you. So I thank you this Mother's Day. I thank you for our families. And we lift them up to you now. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and respond with me?